Live the Right Way with Dre and Wit, where we discuss life, literature, and media through a black and a half lens, where I'm the black. I'm the half, bitches. <laughs> All right. So today, we are joined by super producer Jamel. He's going to be with yeah. us today. And our very good friend from the Arcus Writing Group, Cassandra Cash Money. I don't know if you want me giving out your last name, but I won't. No, no, not no last name. They don't need my warrior. (laughs) Queen warrior. There we go. Let's go with that. There we go. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about black male privilege. There was a checklist, a little article. Slow down. What? We have to interview Cass. Or did you forget how this goes? Absolutely. Like, well, I'm just going to give an overview before. My we bad. Get to that. I was coming from you. I was coming for you. Like, out the gate. Yeah. <laughs> I need to. Take I need to chill it. out. I need to chill out. We had a conversation before the podcast started about hypertension. Hypertension. <laughs> I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hypertension. I like it. Yeah. Bad <laughs> um, jokes. Um. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about the Black Male Privilege Checklist that was written by Jewel Woods in 2010. Um, obviously, some things have uh, conspired in the news and the media that we've seen. What particularly brought this to my mind was a conversation that I had uh, with the three of you, and where we're talking about you know privilege and about like you know oppression as far as like you know racism was concerned. It kind of made me think about this checklist because I've discussed it with other people before. And especially with that whole thing that happened with that white lady in um, Central Park. What was her name? Amy Cooper? Whatever her name was. And just thinking about what it means to be black, what it means to be male, and what it means to have privilege. So I thought this would be a really good topic for us to touch on. But before we get to that, we are going to interview and get to know a little bit more about our good friend Cash. So it's good, boo. What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. So, I know, like, well, for those of us in the Yonkers writing group, we know about you, but tell us a little bit, like, about your art. You know, what gets you going? Got it. So, I've been writing off and on ever since I was a kid, and I'm just now starting to get more into it, thanks to you guys, Yonkers writing group. So, yeah, y'all definitely helped me just kind of write about anything and not and try not to hold my own self back but professionally I'm a I'm a social worker well educationally I'm a social worker and to me that really means a little bit of anything a lot of times social workers are typecast to just being like therapists and case managements when really we're educated in a way that we we learn about systems so we can mm-hmm. be change agents in communities and societies when it comes to forming policies when it comes to organizations whether it's the private sector the corporate sector or the government sector educational sector on and on and on and on so that's a little bit about me i have a blog going that's really about confidence called queen warrior you can hit me up at queenwarrior.me and yeah so that's a little bit about what's what's up with me right about now uh, yeah I really you... i want to implore people to like check that blog out because i have and as a male i gotta say like yo even i feel empowered after reading some of the stuff Ow, thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have a favorite project uh, that you're working on or favorite topic that you like to write about or anything of that nature? I feel like I have a lot of different moving projects and stuff like that. 
Um, so one of the biggest things that I actually have to um, get a little bit more focused with and me saying it and y'all holding me accountable, um, I do want to start creating more poems to formulate um, my first book, which is a collection of poems from things that I experienced as like a child. Um, and the title of the book is going to be something along the lines of Memoirs of a Neglected Child. So we're going to go ahead and, and move forward with that. But, you know, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, no, I'm here for it. We'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, I'm putting it out there. I'm going to have to develop more with that. But, yeah. And Cassie's also going to join us in an anthology book that we're doing for the Actors Writing Group. So you can definitely check her out in that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm calling her Cassie. It, me. it actually right, well, has Dre. Oh, sorry. All right. All right. So I'm gonna go back to my original nickname. I'm just calling you Cash because that's easy okay. for me because I, I guess I have a learning disability. So oh. I, need, I need help. Uh, I'm gonna start calling you Andy. Like uh, Andy. Please don't, please don't do that. I've had white girlfriends who tried that nonsense and it didn't work. <laughs> oh. But that's exactly my point. Like, where did Cassie come from? I don't know. It just worked in my mind. But, but you anyway. know what? A lot of people call like the nickname for Cassandra Cassie, and I'm not gonna yeah. hold you. The first time I've ever heard it was an elementary school where I was went to a predominantly white school, and I couldn't stand it. Over time, and then with the black Cassie that came out, I was kind of like, yeah, it ain't so bad. But I'd rather just be called Cass. Like, just keep it simple. So yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, because of slavery. Slavery. <laughs> I'm blaming on slavery. <laughs> um, and we're gonna and give a quick shout out. He said it yeah, first. No, that's why I got. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're gonna give a quick shout out to our again our super producer Jamel, who is also a very dope poet. I'm gonna get over my uh you know my black male top. What is it? Um, sorry, male uh toss, no toxic masculinity. Sorry, I get that wrong. I'm gonna get over my uh, my toxic masculinity, and I'm going to um I'm gonna I'm gonna give props to my boy Jamel because again his his poetry and not even just poetry his commentary inspires me so tell us a little bit about yourself Jamel I appreciate it I started I performed my first poem 10 years ago it was terrible and just have stayed stuck with it so shout out to home-based poetry out in Phoenix when I had done their thing for 10 years and finally closed up shop shout out to my boy truth be told he had an open mic for a while one mic stand but yeah I'm, I'm another I'm, dope poet yeah, no, he's amazing. So, yeah, I'm very hip-hop influenced and very pop culture influenced because I'm hip-hop influenced. Like, all of the 90s Def Jam, that was my era. And they love to do skits and love to make references. So that's that's how I rock now. Just, just you know, honest, raw, and unapologetic. So I'm really excited about the Younger's Writing Group open mic that we have later on the day that we recorded. So that is going to be really fun, as well as uh, June 28th. That's going to be amazing. Yep, that's our meetup. Yeah, that's about it. you should yeah, you should be expecting to hear from all four of us participating and as many more. Appreciate um, it. Uh correction. Nobody should expect to hear from me. Correction, we should expect what the fuck? You should expect to hear Y'all know my life is crazy right now. I know. All right, so actually I'm gonna throw out something a little bit different on the format that we got. Like I know we agreed upon uh doing question uh, per person, which totally works, but I wanna do one question per topic. Because to see if you guys see like how it's broken up, leadership and politics, beauty, sex and sexuality, uh, pop culture, etc. So we each do one from that and then go to the next question. Does that work for you guys? 
so that we can actually get on every single topic and every single one of them? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Can we, um, before that, can we just have like a moment of a moment to observe that number one, it's Juneteenth. You number that. two, as of, I don't know, yesterday, a couple of days ago, Juneteenth is a officially a state holiday in New York. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're divided Shout out to on that. Governor Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> Shout, out to, <laughs> Shout out to Andrew Cuomo. Shout out yeah, to Andrew Cuomo. I know I'm the I'm the odd man out on this one, but I'm not. I'm I'm like I. Right, but um, but but uh, you did remind me because it is Juneteenth, and because this is the nature of the show, we have an opening quote. So I'm gonna do this from Coretta Scott King. Uh, struggle is never is a never ending process. Freedom is never really won. You earn it and win it in every generation. Very powerful words. Who, who All right. Was that? Credit Scott came, boo. Yes. Yeah. Mm. All right. All right, so we're going to start it up uh, with the Black Male Privilege Checklist. I encourage everyone that listens to this to take a look at it if you want to follow along and, uh, you know, even read it on your own. It's definitely worth the read. So I'm going to start off with leadership and politics. All right, so I don't have to choose my race over my sex in political matters. True or false? It was like real quick, but I have to shout out the ASU Project Humanities um, and Dr. Lester Neal. I've actually had the pleasure to volunteer and check out events um, in the in the Tempe and Phoenix area when I was out here. Yeah, like for those who don't know, the piece actually um, was written by Jewel Woods, but it was popularized by um, Arizona State University. It was disseminated uh, very broadly because of that. That's how I came into contact with it. So, um, yeah, big shout out to them. All right, so let me read this again. And we can answer true or false, you know, and we go by each person. So I don't have to choose my race over my sex and political matters. Well, what do you think, Dre? You tell us, you go first. Sure. Um, that is true. That is true. That's something I don't have to really worry about my sex and political matters because as a male, there isn't anything that persists against me, but as a black male, this is where it gets tricky. This is why I was thinking about the term black male privilege is like, there are things about me that intersect with my maleness and my blackness, because there's certain things that as I kind of find that our women don't have to worry about, like no one is afraid of you the way that they're afraid of us. So I have to worry about things like criminality. I never said that people aren't afraid of you at all. I'm saying that people aren't as afraid of you. So, there is nobody that feels the necessity to kill you on site in the same way that they feel the necessity to kill me or Jamel on site because we might do something. So that's where intersectionality is. So you know what? Actually, I take it back. <laughs> I'm going to say false because <laughs> I have to think about my sex. I'm going to start calling y'all random. All right. All right. Cat, all right cat, uh, sorry, Cass. <laughs> no, Cassie. Cass, what do you think? What do I think about that one in particular? Yeah. From a male's perspective? No, no, no. Your perspective. Do you think that statement is true or false for you? For me, as a woman reading it? Oh, for a male. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. No. Like. Okay. In today's political climate, I do think that there's more, more movement for women to take political statures. But I traditionally, like you look at history. Politics and leadership roles have been 
predominantly um, males. And there has to be a whole movement in order for women to even take space in these spaces and to be acknowledged as a vessel of, of, of authority or to have, you know, ideologies that are worth putting into practice and, and, implement, and implementing. So historically, yes. And even presently, yes. But I think that we're coming to a place where some of these things and thought processes are breaking. Jamel, like, do you have to choose your race over your sex and political matters? Okay, I'm sorry. Just to be clear, so it said I have to choose or I get to. You don't have to choose your race don't over your sex. Okay. Right, right. I'm gonna say that um, I don't. That I don't have to. And the only reason why is because laws are biased towards males. So you're absolutely right that it's not biased towards in the favor of black males in the least. So we're both, yeah, black men and black women are both slowly crawling or far behind in the race towards race equity. I'm going to trademark that. But there's <laughs> definitely benefiting um, black males just a tad bit more than black women. Whitney, what do you think? Okay, I really, generally speaking, did not like this list. I feel that the majority of it. Juneteenth episode is sponsored by DMX. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because it's the Yonkers writing group. That worked yeah, out perfectly. Yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, and every so often y'all might hear me go, shut up! <laughs> it's, it's the most effective way to get them to shut up. But anywho, yeah, even. I, so I just didn't like, I didn't like the wording of this list. And I felt like there, there wasn't like context for it. So I, I just want to preface that. And okay. I definitely with will that. agree with you um, as well. Being the other female counterpart in here, like I definitely felt like some of the things, it, it, some of the, the, the points I felt like came from one particular lens versus looking at things a little bit more broadly. So yeah, I'll agree with that. I love I love switching to my narrator voice. So in summation, we are doing a <laughs> privilege, male privilege checklist and the women hate it. However, the women didn't say nothing until we fucking recorded. I want to be very No no no. So I think you're misunderstanding now. I don't like the list, the actual list. I don't like the way that things are worded. Um, I don't think that all of those are points of privilege. I agree. So I don't know, like, I, I would love to spend more time on this topic, um, but, but, bring like, in, the, but bringing well, in materials that, like, bringing in other materials, because I just I had a lot of issues with this list. Um, sure, but I'm just going to say, like, in terms of, like, when you even Google or look up Black Male Privilege, again, like, because I've, I've, I've uh, done this material before, it is the number one thing that comes up. It comes up more often than any other uh, piece of literature on the topic. This is like what's like uh, people in the academy talk about this constantly for the last decade or so. Yeah, no, and I and I get that, um, but you know, bringing it back to that line, I don't have to choose my race over my sex and political matters. To me, that's not. It's it's not that simple. It's not like a simple like. Yes, I don't have to choose my race over my sex. Or no, I do have to choose my race over my sex. So for me, it's like I can't even, I can't even effectively like agree or disagree with that statement because 
it's just not that simple. So in your opinion, there is no yes or no to this question. Correct. I think it's a lot more complex than that. And then, like, it also kind of depends on, like, what do you, what, what qualifies a political matter? Because some people think that Black Lives Matter is political. I don't think it's political at all. I think that that's social. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that that's well, a social, well, like, a social that's a human issue. Yeah, but social moves into the political. I mean, that is, like, the idea of politics is that it is social moving into the political. Like, you know, for example, if we talk about something like, uh, Roe v. Wade. That was also like a social issue before it became a political issue. So yeah, I mean, the reason the reason that I say that Black Lives Matter, for example, is not a political issue is because when you talk about legislation, like it's implicit in legislation that Black Lives Matter. All right, that's fair. All right, uh, moving on to the next one. No, it's fine. Well, we have to go what on I- to the next questions. Well, we'll stay on this one forever. No, no, no. Like, um, just um, real quick, real quick to clarify. When I say that it's implicit, I mean implicit in terms of like anywhere in the law where it says man, it's implicit that that means all men. In practice, not all people are equal. But that's what I'm saying when I say implicit. Like, okay. all right, so to for, me, it's an issue that it has to, it's an issue in and of itself that we need legislation to protect black people from our, our basic human rights. Dissertation by Whitney, guys. Anyway, <laughs> next one Beauty. Uh, uh, Cass, would you like to read the one for Beauty for us? I actually wanted to read something on sex and sexuality, but okay. Uh, no, no, like, you know, if you're picking one, that's fine. Um, Whitney, would you like to read the Beauty one, number 11 for us? Um, do I have to read number 11? Oh, do you have one that you'd like to pick instead? Yes. All right, go right ahead. See, we're very flexible on look the right way. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) My looks will not be the central standard by which my worth is valued by members of the opposite sex. Oof, boy. Uh, Who wants to feel that one first? Me, it's true. Mel, raise his hand. Go ahead. Ugly as shit. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so actually legit up to 2019, I always had my, my preferred hairstyle was always exactly what Dre's was because I was told I had to, I mean, I liked it, but I was told I had to, um, it was necessary in, cor- in corporate America, blah, blah. It is so funny. Shout out to white people. Sarcastically. Anytime I let it go like point one point six inches, oh my god, it's oh, oh my god, we go cut it right. That's not big hair at all. You know what I mean? When he got big hair, that's big right hair now, right now. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they ain't know the struggle before. So I say all that just to say my look has been able to change and fluctuate, and it hasn't been a big deal. Even when it got mentioned, it didn't then be a big point of contention except by other black men who were, you know, on that whole, you know, political correctness and respectability politics. It's a different topic. So true. Like I'm able to do, I didn't have to come in. I got to make sure I have uh, the makeup done and hair done. I didn't even have to ring, uh, iron my shirt. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump on it with, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Like that is not the central standard by, by which my worth is valued. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I definitely acknowledge and recognize that unfairly women are 
uh, there's too many too much uh, attention put on the way you look more so than you know your thoughts and what you bring to the table outside of that. So I agree. I would just like to take a moment to say that this is do you find yourself setting standards for the kinds of women that you date or are dating in terms of their beauty? I don't know what you mean by that. Can you elaborate? Um, so, like, are there certain, is there a standard that they have to meet physically? The women that you date or have um, dated or are dating? Yeah, no, I'm more of a sapiosexual anyway. So, like, um, I'm more interested in uh, someone's mind. Uh, like, there's, like, no coincidence that most of the women I've dated are very intelligent, um, like, very studious people. So that's kind of, like, what I go for. I mean, there's a physical component, obviously, because you have to be physically attracted. But, like, on the list of things that make me get to the point where I'm dealing with somebody, looks are probably number four. Your credit matters more to me than the way you look. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping it funky. <laughs> okay. Matt, Jamal? Yeah, so, so yes and no, uh, from the standpoint of, I like um, curves, but it's not a size. Like I've seen, I've seen curvy women that are rather small, and I've uh, and I've been attracted to curvy women that are on the you know larger plus size or, or anything. And then light and dark skin, I have absolutely, I don't care. I like who I like, uh, who I happen to come across. So I don't. I definitely, again, absolutely have to be physically attracted to somebody, but I'm not out here immediately cutting you off with some of the ridiculous standards for example that they say on twitter well i'll say this though as a man i've noticed women to be much more um picky looks wise than men are to be honest with you but i get it biologically it makes sense to me because limited amount of eggs you can't mess around with too many people if you're thinking biologically so i get why women would have to be more picky but like the, the thing with men and looks i don't i've never gotten that whole thing there's like other that's factors. Not, I don't think that's true. I mean, again, like I don't think that's talking, true at all. <laughs> if we're talking yeah, dating versus couple, I mean, again, I mean, like I said, like this is what I found to be because when I look at all my friends and I look at everyone in my life, nobody ended up with or pursued relationships with with women that you know that fit all their like physical ideals. What they ended up with was people who fit their spiritual and like, you know, personal ideals. So the looks thing, yeah, matters to a degree, but it's not like this thing that people kind of put so much weight on because in real life in an actual practice, everybody ain't holding out for models. It just doesn't seem to work that way. We might talk about it and run our mouth about it a lot, but when it comes down to who you pick, I don't think it works that way. I actually agree with that. People do a lot of talking to you. Who the last three? Who's your baby mama or baby daddy? Facts, right. yeah. Yeah, but I think that I don't know, when you talk about like I don't I don't know. I got some I got some horror stories. Like not just my own, but like Don't we friends. all <laughs> but like friends also, like I think that there's there's even like conversations that I've had with like my male friends where this is a conversation that I had, it was December of twenty eighteen. Um, I was at a holiday party with a group of like my childhood friends and we were talking about this exact topic. And one of my friends says, listen, y'all don't have to wear makeup and do all that stuff that you do. We prefer natural. And what I said to him was, and therein lies the issue. 
that like you can't even see how by saying that you're setting the standard for how I look like, well, oh, you don't so have to wear makeup. Like we like for you to be natural. And it's like, I don't give a fuck what you like. Like I'm going to set my own beauty standards. No, it's not. It's, it's like, it's like throwing a bone. Like, listen, we're okay if you don't wear makeup. We actually prefer it that way. When, like, that's still setting the standard for how a female fixes herself to look. That is so, like, that is so weird to me. But, God. Cass, you need a chance to talk. I'm sorry. Like, so what do you think about that? It's okay. Can y'all even hear me? Blue Dre's mind. Dre's like, um, cannot compute. Brain cannot compute. Stop it. Anyway, go ahead, girl. <laughs> can y'all hear me good? Because I got yeah. this long on. Okay. I do think that I, I think I have a couple of different thoughts on that. I think that there is pressure from the opposite sex. There is pressure from society for women to look a certain kind of way. Whereas in, in some, some situations men don't always have to hold up to the same standards that that women have to like like Jermel, you mentioned hair black women go through a lot with their hair like to the Very point true. where like you know it, it like it's ridiculous like even like if you're going for an interview there's some black women that will put that have natural hair natural locked hair and they would opt for a wig for the interview just so they can get the job like there's a lot of different things when it comes to to our looks and stuff like that but i do like from my perspective it, it's and i think kind of alludes to with both the what, what everybody's kind of talking about there's kind of like a little bit of an oxymoron here where it's like you know what I mean? Men can say they want somebody natural, but then they all after the Instagram model and, and all this other stuff. Like, they're after still this ideal image of what beauty really is. You know what I mean? Which, and, well, I want you to really... Well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, I, cause I keep hearing that from a lot of my friends, and I just want to, like, I always implore women, one, look at the guys who are going after that. No serious guy who's serious about a fucking family and coupling with somebody gives a shit about any girl on Instagram. That's some young kid shit. No grown-ass man with any integrity gives a fuck about anybody on Instagram. That's horseshit. I just, like, those dudes, I hate being even associated with them. Secondly, I, I just want to also point out, too, dudes who talk about that want to fuck those girls. They do not want to raise a family and be responsible and culpable to those women. They don't give a fuck about them. They use them as dispensaries. That's what that shit's about. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay, because I'm happy that you mentioned that, because that, that made me think of, a, of another thought. When I was listening to you, you two guys speak in regards to your opinion on beauty, that is just the opinion of a certain percentage of males. It's not a percentage of all males. People who are like-minded like you two guys are going to think and have the standards, or not the standards, but have the attractions that you guys have, rather it's attraction of the mind, attraction of the emotions, attraction of the spirit, et cetera, et cetera. There's some people that regardless of their age are have not leveled up emotionally or mentally to to, to reach those points where their attraction has changed or has pivoted. So um, that might be y'all male perspective, but it's not all of the male perspective. Yeah, oh, I agree. But I was gonna say I got, I got, yeah, I definitely agree with uh, Cash. Like, even I'm trying to get think of examples. The reality TV, the whole reality TV show genre. Those those women are actually getting wiped up 
in real life. And if you listen to them one-on-one in the confession, it's a absolute train wreck. Like they are not here for the intelligence factor. They are here because mm-hmm. they're keeping uh, beauty standards, uh, ironically enough, but that's their calling cards. And they're not getting married by a teenager or you know somebody fresh out of college. Those dudes are just as old. And to the point, a lot of them are ugly. Like the dudes are ugly and shit. Um, <laughs> all right those are great responses uh, all right let's move on to sex and sexuality uh Cass, which was the one that you wanted to do all right i'm actually gonna read two because to me they, they correlate with each other all right let's go oh so, yeah so okay i can't believe that causing pain during sex is connected with a woman's pleasure without asking her moving down to 26 um we gonna go there okay when I consume porn, I can gain pleasure for images and sounds of men causing women pain. Where, like, where are the YWG erotic poets when we need them? <laughs> Is that a privilege? Um... All right, so let me, so let me go ahead. Let me, let me say my piece, and then y'all can respond from the from from that piece and from my response. So, like, I really could have read every last one of the things in the in the sexual, um, the sex and sexuality, because I have experienced so much stuff when it comes to, like, Black sexual, not Black sexuality, Black female sexuality that is just really crazy with the double standards uh, that, that men have with it. But if we're going to just kind of talk about uh, just sex practices period in like porn and stuff like that like a lot of porn images is like really it it like if you put put the joint on mute and you just watch it it looks violent <laughs> it looks abusive some of yes yes it does yes it does Depen- depending on what type you like to watch and what you look at it can look very abusive yes it can and so um and for instance I'm just gonna throw it. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I was watching um, Euphoria, which is a um, HBO um, oh, yeah. show, whatever. Y'all saw it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was like, um, so like you know, they're teenagers or whatever. Um, but you know, a lot of teenagers do watch. Look at a lot of a lot of adults watch porn. Like it, you know, it is what it is. But so yeah. there was like a scene Healthy. where these two, like this couple, were about to like get it on or whatever. And like first, the guy was just like really sensual with her, like taking his time, and then. Once, like, they got to the point where they're about to have sex, he like nearly choked the sh- like he choked her, like and she was like, like he, he like he like choked her, pinned her on the bed, and she was like, "Yo, stop, stop, stop!" And then it took like her to say stop a couple of times before he was like, "Wait, what's wrong? Are you okay? I thought you liked it." And she's like, "You didn't even ask me if that's what I wanted. You know what I mean? You didn't even ask me if that was okay. You know what I mean?" And I, I, I personally think that there's a lot of different situations that the way a lot of men are wired that now we're, we're having more conversations about consent, but there's still a lot of men that still think that when a girl is saying no in a particular situation, they, she's playing hard to get, or I can persuade her to say yes. And a lot of times people don't understand that even if I'm in a sexual situation and if I said no to you and I meant it, you know what I mean? It's like this thing is complex. If I say no to you and I meant it and you still pursue me and then I go silent, that's not consent. And psychologically, you can still be raped. 
even though I probably just laid there, I psychologically, I can still be raped, right? Because I didn't fully consent to what is happening from that point, um, um, from that point on. And I told you behind no, and you still persuaded thinking that it was cool when it was not. You know what I mean? And I feel like keep on going on and on and on about this. Huh? I said, yeah, nigga, whoever she's talking, because that was, <laughs> that was it's like, it's like, motherfucker, it was like two seconds of naming somebody that was on some bullshit. No, nah, but, it, but it's real, though. Like, and you'll be surprised, like, how many women I have spoken to, you know what I mean, my own personal stories and other women's personal stories that were just like, yo, like, yeah, like, you know, like, I, like, you know, they were in a situation where it was like, I was completely okay with spending time with him and 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 enjoying his company without that and he just wanted to bring it to that level and it was like like i know women who were like i didn't want to leave because i was enjoying the company but he wouldn't stop and then it was just like things just went from one place to another so silence is not consent if i said no to you once then it's no i could say yes to one sexual act doesn't mean i'm saying no to every sexual act saying yes to every sexual act and so on and so forth so that's just my little my little piece, but I do think Kevin, that porn and misguided sexual sexual practices is part of that. Go ahead. I, I just want to make sure other people have a chance to speak before I talk. Have anything to say? Okay. All right. So in terms of uh, that being my privilege, uh, yes, that is obviously a privilege. I don't. But porn is such, especially in the the world that we live in, as far as like with porn now, because everything is so curated. You can essentially, if you are a woman who's into that kind of thing. You can find that. Like, you can. Like, you can just type in the, the search words and it'll appear. It'll, it'll be that. Like, I think a lot of the dominatrix stuff and, like, whatever, that, that exists. But more to your conversation about consent, um, I think it's a good opportunity for myself as a black man. Two things. One, I come, like, I'm a, I'm a black man of a certain age, so I come from the no means no era, not necessarily the consent era, which is what we're in right now. And the whole consent conversation happened while I've been in a committed monogamous relationship, so I've never really had to consider that um in my dating practices in that same way i've just always been the person if i hear no no means no that's the end of it move on no other conversation after that but i think what you're talking about and which is particularly very important is just communication like just lay on the table hey this is what i'm comfortable with hey do you mind this like just talk it out before you do anything there's nothing lame or weird about it like the kind of girl because i've definitely experienced that like i've had girls like if i said like hey may i kiss you they be so turned off. Like, you don't ask. Like, what are you asking me for? Just do it. And it's just like, all right, so, like, there'd be times in my life where I'd be very embarrassed and feel like, all right, well, the only way to do things now is to be very aggressive and all the other stuff. But communication is key. And, like, you know, um, always check in with each other. And women do that, too. Like, there's a lot of things that I've had uh, with partners that, like, I was uncomfortable with. Like, the same thing you're talking about choking. I've dated many of girls who wanted that. And particularly for me, like, again, this goes back into my mind as a black male. I am constantly always thinking, if things go wrong, how do I explain this to the police? If things go sideways, if things look weird, if she has bruises, how do I explain this? What? What are you going to say? Wait. Just that, like, I feel like I I frequently hear that argument. I don't want to say argument because that's not necessarily an argument. But I, I frequently hear men talk about this, like, in this era of consent, like women oh, well, don't I was like, this, I was we... doing this like I was doing this like in two thousand. I'm not talking about it right now. I've been doing this my own. No, I understand life. that. I, I understand yeah. that. But like, what I'm saying is, like, consent really isn't complicated, and there is a major difference 
between like kissing someone and pressuring a woman to do things sexually. Like those are like two. So like I, I often hear guys say like, Oh, like, you know, I have to ask a woman to kiss her. Like she's not going to like that and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, consent is not that hard. Like it's, it's not that hard. And I've yet to meet someone who has made that claim that has ever been in a situation where it was unclear to them until after the fact that the woman that they engaged with, you know, like they engaged in, in some sort of sex with somebody oral or, you know, intercourse. And after the fact, had the experience of the woman being like, I didn't want to do that. And then being like, Oh shit, I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And I'm, ha- I'm actually happy that you said that. Um, there's two things that I kind of want to respond to, but both you guys said, uh, one of them, Dre, is that sometimes conversations do happen beforehand. Like, okay, I'm comfortable doing this and I'm not comfortable. And that's, that's my, that's my boundary. I don't want to do anything further. And then the, then in the heat of the moment, it's like, you forgot. it's like you know what I mean a lot of times things kind of go straight out the window when you're in your logical mind and you're not like you know what I mean hot and heavy you're able to know but then once you're in it it's kind of like especially for a lot of males and depending on their maturity level they it's like once that thing gets going it's like like they they don't want it to stop like at all by by any reasons and then in regards to like the point that that Willie is making is that you can go in like as a woman you can go in with your intentions and then the guy have completely different intentions even though you did have a conversation so that is one thing and then going into Whitley's point is that that's about to be my new nickname Whitley so and i know your name you know i know your name okay let me just say wait so uh, there I, we think, go. I think also Whitney gilbert her name has been in my head since i was like three so like, <laughs> like, so, like okay so wit so yes, Shade. I felt that shade. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's your name, though. Well, yeah, continue. Uh, <laughs> uh, Actually, it's not my name. My name is Cassandra. But okay. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so people people can have two different perspectives on one situation. One person can be like, oh, yeah, that was great. Everything that I wanted happened, happened. And the other person can be like, we crossed the line so far. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, to a certain extent, it, it's, things just get really complicated, really murky very quickly. All right. This might be it. This might be my last episode producing. So if so, it's been real. I appreciate it. Ten years ago, I was dating this woman, uh, this young lady, and I distinctly remember one particular um, situation. We were having sex. Everything was cool. I think I either I, I either she you know she was able to finish the orgasm or whatever or she was just satisfied she was good we were good to go and I wasn't I hadn't gotten where I was yet and I went out of my way to talk her into continuing and it was like 
she kind of she she relented, but even in the moment, like I saw her face, it was like this is not this ain't it at all. I felt like shit that moment. You know what I'm saying? I probably apologized that night and the next night, but the fact is that that happened. Now, you know, has that had any repercussions since? I don't know. We don't have you know we don't have any type of communication, so I don't know how she feels. Even if I did get in contact with her. You know what I'm saying? There's no telling if she's either being would be forthright with me or if she even knows that that was a thing. You know what I'm saying? Black women deal with, I mean, we all do, but black women deal with so much trauma that that was just one drop in, you know, the well of so many things that she's like, I don't even have time to process that. So I've been meaning to, because I'm a very big proponent and I want to have that out there. And if castle culture wants to say, I can't have no opinion on anything because I did that, I'll, I'll live with that, you know what I'm saying? But that's, you know, that's my truth. Recently, she told me like a week after the fact, like, you know, every I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it was very complimentary. However, there was a little bit of pain. And I was like, well, why, why, are, you know, why now? Why did you feel comfortable then? And maybe it was, you know, that's a combination of she didn't feel like, she didn't know she could have the conversation with me or she did know that that's not a conversation that men like to hear. Uh, in the past, that all comes to like shout out to a lot of males who have started to listen and understand that it is very important to have that conversation repeatedly, and it is important as early as possible to let women know that it is okay to have that conversation. So finally, I'm going to attempt again to go back to making my general points. Okay, let me just put it like this: a lot of women are fucking nasty like really like the stuff that they're into is like really you know what i'm saying instead of trying to coerce women one just find the right one two find them at the right time and it's amazing like get the you know give give them show them the loyalty make them feel appreciated is you don't like where they're willing to go you can't even fathom i've had matter of fact there's been a lot of um you know uh our, our you know men aren't really freaks like that you know what i'm saying with their level what they're trying to do and what yep. And the goal is, is not the same. So, yes, absolutely, Dre, just like you, I definitely know some women who have been like, this is what a man should do, and that's, but it is important to figure out what they're interested in and also realize what they're down for on Tuesday might not be what they're good for next Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, true. And it's easier for us because we're basically just thrusting. We're thrusting somewhere. Like, we're up here, we're <laughs> there, like, we're just thrusting. They have to experience. <laughs> You know, I mean, more on the depends receipt. on how you're doing it, but yeah, I feel you. Yeah, no, it's okay. um, yeah, I, like I, and I just want to say, like, I completely agree. And again, I think it's really important for us to have these kind of conversations as uh, men and women, particularly black men and women, because when these aren't things I'm gonna hear otherwise, no one's going to just like overtly just tell me unless I'm in an intimate relationship with them. So this is good to like you know hear because I wouldn't know otherwise. But we have to move on to the next question, uh, next uh, uh, section. So popular culture, who wants to tackle that one? Who wants to grab a question from there? So I wanted to go with one that I didn't agree with. 35, I can wear a shirt that others and I commonly refer to as a white beater and never have the language challenge. The reason I don't agree with that one is the others has included women. So I don't know if that's because women just felt like I don't want to fight it anymore. So I'm used to hearing it. So this is what we're going to go with. But... You know, it took me to a while to really understand, like, I'm college educated and all that, but wife 
beater. <laughs> like it really is very direct and straightforward, but because like the same way that all tissue was Kleenex for a long time for me until I realized that was just the brand. Mm. I, that's what this is called. And then when it was like kind of really simplistically broken down, I was like, oh no, I don't I don't I don't beat wives. Therefore, I'm gonna have to, you know, this is gonna have to be undershirt for me. So I that one we and I think coming to Whitney's point, you know, um or Whitney, I don't whatever you Miss <laughs> <laughs> <Ms>. Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I question what about these times where it seems like oh the women are very much perpetuating this very thing. That at that point, then it sounds like some of the detractors are like, well, that's just the the, the masculine centric world we're in. But I don't know if you don't like that term. I feel like you could just not use that term. I mean, I think that it's like in the same way that systems of like racial oppression are perpetuated by people of color. Mm-hmm. It's 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 that same kind of thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, and this goes back to what I was saying about not liking the way that these questions were, or these points were made, because the whole thing about wife beaters is that, like, using the term in some way normalizes the concept, right? But do you actually, like, do you, Jamal, and you, Dre, as Black men, actually benefit from being able to use that term and it not be challenged like to me that's not a point of privilege you know what i'm saying like there's nothing that you're actually benefiting from it's only that like the idea of that is normalized and even like normalized no because i'll i'll be the first to say that i'm guilty of using that phrase and i don't think that it ends up with a woman getting her ass beat by her husband at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's like one of those. It. it doesn't even normalize the action. That's why I've never understood the problem with it because it's not like I wear a wife beater and if I go around hitting women, well, oh, he's wearing a wife beater, so I guess it's cool. Like that, that should don't exist. So uh, I actually, okay, I so think, I, but it's like I'm sorry, real quick, Winnie. I actually will jump on the other side. I do think that it's the privilege of not having to be bothered with fixing it. So I mean, there's. They are quite a, just speaking on myself and, you know, Dre and I are, are definitely, you know, on the higher end and more progressive among black men and, and, and therefore a minority. And of course, there are plenty of them. I can shout out a whole bunch of my friend circle. But people in our group, Chef, what up? Shout out. Yeah, exactly. Chef and, you know, and, 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 and Gordon, I'm going to tell y'all to go listen to that poem till I fucking die. That poem was great. Anyway. <laughs> So there was a fighting game community gentleman who decided to make some, you know, picture or post a picture talking about watermelon lives matter. He had the privilege of that not meaning anything to him, but he did it at the wrong time and he got himself stupid as banned and I don't feel sorry for him at all. So so people can right. So people can make statements like that and it means nothing to them. They're not triggered, they're not going back to oh, this actually happens to me. But like I don't just get to say because I didn't mean it and because it doesn't mean anything to me, that I'm just going to say that word in a public space, not find somebody who was affected by it. And they're not just going to say, oh, he probably doesn't beat uh, beat wives. So it's cool. So no, I think, yeah, just that privilege of not having to worry about anything and not have to be bothered to just call it a fucking cotton undershirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you know a tank top. 
So I actually do disagree. So I, I want to add my two cents to this as well. So I'm going to be real. For the longest time growing up, I thought it was white beater. I didn't realize it was white <laughs> beater. So I was I like, not. Nah. I think a lot of people experience that. Yeah. Well, they so, all white. Yeah. I would say that every day. Like, yeah, more than this white beater. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, yeah, but... All right, so once I found out it was wife beater, I was like, wait, what? And then I, you know, found out it was because, like, in a lot of movies, people who were, like, being their wives happened to be wearing, it's really called an A-shirt when you go to the oh, store. Sure. It's called an A-shirt when you, when you get it. Don't know why, but whatever. But I think that the, the what the, the author or the authors of the Black male privilege list is talking about the dominance over even though the word itself and wearing that doesn't mean that the person who's wearing it is beating his wife or beating his girlfriend or, or anything like that. I think it, it falls along the same line of calling females bitches and hoes. It's about the dominance over the female sex. You know what I mean? So when you say wife beaters, even though it's common language for us to say stuff like that and we don't really think about it too much, I think a lot of males don't think too much when they call a chick a bitch or a hoe. It's just... Mm-hmm. Another way of me saying that girl over there, you know what I mean? Do you think that that exists like that anymore? Because again, again, I'm older, so I don't know, but I really don't come across like men that actually go around calling women bitches and hoes. Like in this time, I know people around you. Rock, do you live under? I'm saying (laughs) as in common language. Of course, there's human beings that utter the words. I'm saying as common language, like even in common hip hop, like the the hip hop that I listen to now that comes out, like. It sounds more like like emo, like what emo was to rock music ten years ago is what rap is now, and I don't see a lot of we're just taking drugs and we're crying about our feelings. That's what it's like. There's no aggression. Yo, this morning somebody posted. One of my really good friends actually posted a status that was just like, "Fellas, if your girl doesn't get you the PS5, if she doesn't pre-order the PS5 for you, she belongs to the streets." That's not that was this morning. When people say people use that. People use that uh, all the time. Like, <laughs> oh, like if X, then she belongs to the streets. I see what you're doing. That didn't have bitch or hoe specific. Don't do it, Dre. Just stop. No, no I wasn't going to say that. I was going to combat with that. With then, isn't that just common culture? That's like, if your man didn't take you out to eat, then you know what? He's your ex. Like. Isn't that kind of just the way we speak about people? And, and he belongs to the streets. She belongs to the streets. Is code I'm, I'm, for fucking hoe. Like, come on. Uh, uh, and mean, it's totally different I thought, than somebody I, I, I thought that was a hood. I swear to God, I thought it just meant she's a hood chick. I didn't think that that meant that. But all right, no, you belong yeah. to the streets. Right. Yeah, you belong, like when they talk about dudes belong to the streets, their dudes are on that hug the block. I belong to the streets. That's what I'm saying. The streets is me. That's okay. yeah. what I think about. That's, that's what we call sexism. Like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that's what it means was, for men. That's not what it means for women. Right, right. But now, nah, um, no, nah, it's definitely normalized. Then you was talking about, if you're talking, well, you said today's hip hop, you're talking about mumble rap, bro. Like, if I about <laughs> a mumble rap song, I dare you to tell me what to say. I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about, like, Drake. I was thinking about Drake. I was thinking about Jay Cole. the greatest person in my life. I, can't, I don't know what they talk about. No, but I'm like, I, like, I like Drake. I like Jay Cole. I like um, Jay Electronica. 
uh, Kendrick Lamar. Like, those aren't guys that I've noticed they use bitch and hoe in it. Again, very sensitive rap. There's no aggression in that shit. So I don't Jay know. Electronica is hella very, very, very toxic towards women. We don't. Is it? In his music or in his life? It is both. <laughs> Oh, because again, like the the tracks I've heard is just like there's no aggression. Like the I think the the worst I ever heard was on a fucking Spider Man Two soundtrack that he was on. But all right, never mind. There, but I think like there also doesn't have to be like explicit aggression for mm-hmm. it to be like anti women. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like. Right. But that, anywho. That can, right. That can go on forever because I don't understand. I and this is back on women. I don't understand the obsession with R. Kelly that's still getting placed. I don't understand the Kate Brown that's still getting played. So, Facts. but then they went hard in the paint at this J. Cole song this uh, this week, and that was very interesting. Um, so, mm. that was, uh, I didn't even hear about that, but no we're gonna have that? to table the rest of this conversation. Yep. Okay. So, I have a closing quote that I'm really excited to read, and it is. By Bell Hooks, who is a professor, an activist, a feminist. Um, it's from her book, Homegrown Engaged Culture Criticism. And she said, Privilege is not in and of itself bad. What matters is what we do with privilege. I want to live in a world where all women have access to education and all women can earn PhDs if they so desire. Privilege does not have to be negative, but we have to share our resources and take direction about how to use our privilege in ways that empower those who lack it. And Down with capitalism. But yeah. <laughs> I, I really like this quote because I think that um, as people, as black people, I think that it's important for us to remember that the same way we expect our white allies to like step up and really like support us. Like we have to be the support for other uh, marginalized groups. And I know that I'm personally like always checking myself on like hetero uh, or rather like homophobic like sentiment because I was a part of the era growing up where like everything was gay. That's gay, that's gay, that's gay, that's gay, that's gay. And while I don't have any issues with people being able to have their sexual preference. I, it's like I still have to hold myself accountable for like those little things. It's also why I do not eat at Chick Fil A. But anywho, well, I support the LGBT community, and I don't fuck with Chick Fil A anyway. So, um, but do you actually support the LGBTQ community? We're gonna talk about that later. I give money. That's the most support I give anybody. I don't even give money to family members. So, all right, that was <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, that was great. Um, shout out to all my humans, H U E M A N. Humans like you, people with you guys. You got it. Yeah, all right. You got it. Yeah, All right, because it's Juneteenth. Uh, anyway, this was Lift the Right Way with Drain Wit. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.